Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. We're delighted and honored that you're here to join us. Today is the 13th of January, 2016, and Jeannie's having some difficulties with her phone, and so I'm sure she'll be with us momentarily. We are here to uh, to celebrate the understanding and to enhance the understanding of the process of first century Aramaic forgiveness, which leads to healing the dynamics of what's going on inside of us, no matter what they are. You know, the the world calls taking a pill healing, when the truth is, it is clearly understood that every drug is a toxic substance. So, so here we have this disease disguised as a cure, and think treatment is what heals. Now, treatment can handle symptoms, treatment can help us feel better, but if you're not engaged in the healing, those things don't happen. That is, the shifts in energy that need to take place for the system to truly be free of its disease. If there's pain in the system, generally speaking, one is considered cured if the pain goes away. If you take a pill and cover up the pain, though, however, the pain has not gone away. The awareness of the pain has gone away. We're here to say that this so-called body-mind unit is in fact an energy system. One of the foundations of this work is a quote from Einstein where he says, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. And we're here to offer that. You can't have high-level wellness if you don't have a human life. Now, the average person says, but Michael, I have a human body. Obviously, I have a human life. Because you have what's called a human body does not mean you have a human life. That's a total misunderstanding of what human life is. Now, if you hold a newborn child, you'll get an experience of a human life. If you don't have one of those, if you don't have that awesome active presence of love firing and fueling every cell in your structure, then your structure is in some sort of a disease, and there is no pill that will fix that. The system needs to be reconnected to love. I was talking to someone yesterday who called me about the uh, the intensives coming up. By the way, we, we I thought they were full, but we actually had uh, two people drop out, so, so we do still have a little bit of space there, but the... Um, this woman called, and she's, her husband's going through some things, and she reminded me of being at a one-day Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing workshop that we did about, I don't know exactly, 12 or 13 years ago in, um, in Ohio. And she was calling because her husband's going through some challenges and has an interest in attending intensive, but she shared with me, and I had no knowledge of this. Actually, I got, got stories from two people yesterday that were pretty awesome to hear, and, you know, it'd be nice if people would let us know these things when they happen. But uh, this woman had had back pain for years in her life, a lot of trauma, a lot of upset, a lot of rage going on in her world. And in the Still Point Breathing Workshop, a 
a shift took place in her body, and she said, she said the reason she was calling for her husband is because she hasn't had any back pain, not a scintilla of back pain since. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty powerful. Then I spoke to another gentleman who actually uh, was at Heartland and attended our wedding uh, 11 years ago, and uh, it was it was kind of fun. Jeannie and I got married, and the next Saturday or Friday we started a, a nine-day Why Is This Happening to Me Again intensive. It was Jeannie's first. In- is that your first intensive, Jeannie? I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, there was a gentleman there who um, who was at our workshop on Sunday. Haven't seen him since the uh, the workshops, but uh, but he shared with me. He said, you know, I haven't told anybody this, but when I came to that intensive, every day of my life since 1976, so that's 1976 to 2005. He said, every day of my life I had cluster headaches, and he said the cluster headaches would be so intense that I could do very little, could hardly sleep. He said, I used an average, and when I came to your intensive at Heartland, I was using an average of 20 aspirins a day, or at night, he said, especially, just to try to get some sleep with these cluster headaches. 1976 to 2005. He said he was going through one of the processes. He didn't even share which one it was during the intensive. And he said there was like this little bolt of electricity in through his brain. It was like a, he said it was like a little bolt of lightning. He felt it. Last headache. He's never had a headache since. Never taken an aspirin for a headache because he's free of headaches. Now, why did that happen to those two people? You know something? I don't know. I don't know why one person might be there with cluster headaches and another person with cluster headaches and one gets the bolt of electricity and the other one doesn't. I don't know why that happens or doesn't happen. One person's there with intense back pain and 25 years later they're still doing intense back pain and another person is there and is freed of their back pain. But here's what we do in our intensives. For the last 50 years... I have been studying, and then I had the blessing of touching into the original works and words of a true master healer, a man named Yeshua, who back in the year zero showed people how to heal. And for 50 years now, almost 50 years, I have been studying to understand what all the factors are that produce healing. You know, the the first day of the year and the second, it was a Friday, and then the, the second, uh, we talked for two days about all the different tools. Each of those workshops, each of those different tools is a factor. And, you know, I don't, and nobody knows in any given circumstance what factor is going to open the space for somebody to break through to reconnecting a part of them that's been disconnected to love, back to love and create actual healing, create an actual energy shift. I've seen people, I remember back, uh, we were actually in Yellow Springs, Ohio, 25 years ago, and there was a woman who was married to a medical doctor, and the week before, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. She was on a fast track, so the next week, she was going in to have her breast removed. She did a one-day mind shifters and still point breathing. And when she went in the next week, she was on a fast track because her husband was a medical doctor. They took her in to do the x-rays to get the margins of where they're going to cut. And she's got no tumor. It's gone. Now, people say, well, wait a minute, Michael, that's ridiculous. There was a physical mass there that doesn't just disappear. Well, excuse me, folks. Someone might sit back and go, that's not possible. Excuse me. It just happened. We know it's possible. Why isn't it happening regularly? Because nobody knows what all the factors are to open the energy field for this person to reconnect to love, and this person doesn't. There are many things involved. We do everything in our intensives from nutrition to every tool that we've got to walk people through. Okay, here's, you know, if, if you're in 
denial and projection, you're talking about somebody else causing your pain, we're going to invite you to use responsibility communication. That's the factor. So you shift from you made me mad to, gee, I have anger in me. We're going to introduce forgiveness. We're going to introduce a tool called forgiveness from the first century Aramaic, where instead of I have this goal for you and you better fix it or else you better get that goal done, or I'm going to, we're going to invite you to cancel that goal, collapse the projection that has got to do with somebody else, and reconnect to love. We're going to hand you a commitment called My Commitment. We're going to hand you a tool called Responsibility Communication. In fact, I, I saw a really cute Facebook post today. Let me share it with you. I've got my, uh, my phone open to it, and it's really quite, uh, quite humorous, and it purports to be an actual, uh, an actual true story. But this woman wrote a, a letter to tech support, and she did it kind of tongue-in-cheek, I guess, as a joke. And tech support responded. And so she writes, Dear tech support, last year I upgraded from boyfriend, boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0 and noticed a distinct slowdown in overall system performance, particularly in the flower and jewelry applications, which operated flawlessly under boyfriend 5.0. In addition, Husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs, such as Romance 9.5 and Personal Attention 6.5, and then installed undesirable programs, such as NBA 5.0, NFL 3.0, and Golf Clubs 4.1. Conversation 8.0 no longer runs, and House Cleaning 2.6 simply crashes the system. Please note that I've tried running nagging 5.3 to fix these problems to no avail. What can I do? Signed, Desperate. So here's tech support's reply. Dear Desperate, first, keep in mind, Boyfriend 5.0 is an entertainment package, while Husband 1.0 is an operating system. Please enter the command, I thought you loved me, .html, and try to download Tears 6.2, and do not forget to install GILT.30 update. If that application works as designed, Husband 1.1 should then automatically run the applications Jewelry 2.0 and Flowers 3.5. However, remember the overuse of the above, above application can cause Husband 1.0 to default to Grumpy Silence 2.5, Happy Hour 7, or Beer 6.1. Please note that Beer 6.1 is a very bad program that will download much gas and snoring loudly. Whatever you do, do not, under any circumstances, install Mother-in-Law 1.0. It runs a virus in the background that will eventually seize control of all of your system resources. In addition, Please do not attempt to reinstall the Boyfriend 5.0 program. These are unsupported applications and will crash Husband 1.0. In summary, Husband 1.0 is a great program, but it does have limited memory and cannot learn new applications quickly. You might consider buying additional software to improve memory and performance. We recommend Cooking 3.0 and Hot Lingerie 7.7. Good luck, signed tech support. I thought that was kind of cute. And that was a great stimulus to, uh, to add a piece to that post. So if you want to pick up a, a copy of that, if you're, if you're not connected with me on Facebook, uh, my Facebook uh, page, if you want to send a, a friend request, is jm underscore r-y-c-e. And you'll see that it's at the top of the list. I actually just downloaded it or posted it just a few minutes ago. So along with that, we, we posted free software downloads for the human system. Use the original software, upgrade tools, and maintenance packages listed below, free from whyagain.org to maintain. One, eternal family love 1.0. Two, relationship and sexual health 2.0. Three, Healthy Children 4.0. 4. Join Aliveness 5.0. 5. Success Financial Abundance 5.0. And 6. Eternal Health and Life 
5.0 to keep those things running for all current and future generations. And just a minute, my, my computer just skipped on me here. Regular use will repair all previously damaged versions of the related software for all of the generations, even if it is no longer operating in the current user's environment. In other words, you open the space to your ancestors. Making time to run the presence of love, human life 1.0, and still point breathing 7.0 in all system configurations and operating environments several times a day, especially when the system is under stress, will repair all software and hardware damage in past, present, and future versions, no matter how long the said damage has existed. It is urgent to run these programs as regular maintenance at each startup and shutdown of the system. In other words, do it in the morning and before you go to sleep at night. It is beneficial to run My Commitment 100 to self and others as an, ex- an eternal loop in TSR, that's Terminate and Stay Resident Memory. And then we have a link there if you want to load, download that. Run first century Aramaic forgiveness as needed to keep the system in top running shape and memory free of the generational bugs and viruses of fear and hostility. Again, we've got a link for that. Responsibility communication 9.0 run on an ongoing basis will ensure that family 1000.9 viruses from previous versions of relationship failure 10,000.9 do not take over resources crash the system permanently, or create premature hardware failure. Call for free tech support at 646-200-4169, five days a week from 1 till 2 o'clock Eastern Time for ongoing upgrades, maintenance tips, and free instructions on the best use of all human software. Please repost on all systems. So here we are with our free tech support happening, and let's say hello to Dr. Tim and see how the young man is today. Sir? How do you be? I'm doing well, thank you. Fortunately, my system is up and running. Awesome. Firing on all cylinders, as my dad would say. Cool. I thought that was a cute letter that that someone created and posted, and uh, we'll put those offerings out there for people to keep their software running well. I'm hoping people take advantage of it. I have had tremendous success in my own life applying those same tools and rewriting the old software and undoing the old conditioning that that I had probably a solid 45 years of before encountering this work. So it's um, been very beneficial to me. Yeah, we are uh, we're looking forward to another support group tonight in Crystal Lake. I have um, been hearing through the grapevine of some people who've done powerful worksheets in the past few weeks in our Tuesday and Thursday support group and, you know, basically getting tremendous benefits from the very thing you're recommending in the intro. Kind of a software upgrade, if you will. And I heard you mention sure. something about the in- intensives, as though you have some new openings in the intensives. <clears throat> yeah, there were a couple of people, uh, actually, in each intensive that had committed, and yes, I'm on, and then uh, yesterday afternoon called and said, uh, well, actually, something came up. So we still have a couple of spaces available. But uh, we're rolling along and looking forward to uh, – to, uh, Codependence to Interdependence Communication Practicum that will start on the 1st of, uh, of February, a nine-day, which will also turn into a 16-day, and then a 16-day Laws of Living starting on the 18th of February. We're looking forward to that, and, and actually uh, Saturday morning we'll uh, get in the car and head out of Ellington, Florida, down to Miami. There were, were some workshops that we'd set up back a couple of years ago uh, that uh, we couldn't or chose not to uh, cancel and so we'll be in Miami for a week get to visit with some friends down there and then coming back and just have a few days here and then head off to Orlando with this awesome uh, seven bedroom four and a half bath house 
uh, about five minutes from Disney World, and uh, that's where we'll be doing the intensive. So we're we're looking forward to heading over there. We're picking up Ari at the airport in, on the 30th. He'll be flying in, and then on the 1st, we'll start that uh, Cody Penance to Independence. And Ari, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what lit a fire under him, but uh, he's got a bunch of new raw recipes that he's uh, bringing, and he is just more excited than I, you know, when I've been talking to him, and he's more excited than uh, than I've ever heard of about coming to an intensive and doing the food. So, so we're looking forward to seeing what Ari's got to share with us. Wonderful. It is. Wonderful. It is. So, anything exciting happening in practice today? Any patterns to uh, to share observation of that might uh, be helpful well, for people a, to uh, look at? The 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 big thing that um, that I ran into earlier today was somebody who came in and, in a crisis and said, now I know that I have this pattern and I know what I'm doing and I know why it's happening and I know what all these people that that like me and that think I'm intelligent and I know everything that they're saying to do and I know I should do it and I just can't do it and I don't know why nothing's changed. And so perhaps you would talk about the idea that when I think I know what the problem is, if I'm still in pain, I don't know what the problem is. And perhaps you'd talk a little bit about the issue, like Einstein had said something to the effect of, you cannot solve a problem with the level of the mind that created that problem. And um been the theme for two people so far today, that... Um, I know I've heard everything you're telling me. I know I should do that, but I, I can't make myself do it. And I, I know what the problem is, but I'm still in pain. <laughs> well, one of the uh, the bottom lines that uh, that I've come back to over the years is that you can have all the head knowledge in the world that you want, and it's not going to change what's happening in your energy system. You know, if knowledge were the key, we have more knowledge on planet Earth today than at least it looks like any any generation that's ever had it, and yet we have as much or more conflict and terrorism and and trauma and refugees and murder and you know so so knowledge obviously isn't the key, and I think that one of the the big keys to healing to understand is you've got to be out of your mind you've got to get free of that thing and of course that's the genius of the first century aramaic yeshua's forgiveness process is it collapses what the mind is doing and when i can collapse what the mind is doing then i can drop out of that aspect of my mind and go to a different level as einstein said you know you you got to have a different mind go back to paul 2000 years ago you know, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You've got to go to a different mind. And the mind that's always available to us, if we're willing to be out of what we would call the body's mind, the mind that most people have been trained to function in, or at least what appears to be a mind, because it really isn't even a mind. But in order to be out of it, it takes forgiveness. And so that mind was called in the ancient teachings and there's nothing religious about this word. It scares people when I use it sometimes, or pardon me, it brings up fear in them because nothing outside of anybody can scare anyone, but it brings up fear because they've been beaten and abused by religion, taken advantage of or who knows what. But, you know, in the ancient teachings, they said the goal of the work was to be of like mind with Christ. The mind of Christ is the mind connected to love. It is the mind of God. The word literally means the buttered one and you know, in, in effect means one who has a clear channel to love. And when we are able to reconnect to that active presence of love, everything, everything changes. It's just a whole different game. And so the, the, core tool of forgiveness and if anybody's new to the show you're welcome to go to whyagain.org and in the middle of the page you'll see a link or a, a, a pardon me a, a bullseye and if you click that bullseye a whole series of links will open and or 
if you go to the home page and over on the right you'll see you know a list of the uh the little icons for uh social media the bottom one that link it'll take you right to our youtube channel don't need to search for it and there's i don't know there are 40 or 50 different videos there now and one of them is the first hour of the latest uh, recording of why is this happening to me again and so you're welcome to pick that up put it to work in your life and watch the game change forgiveness collapses the perceptual mind when the perceptual mind is sure that it knows when the truth is it doesn't have a clue it's lying to itself by definition if you knew what the problem was the problem would be solved and so when you can collapse that mind that thinks it knows then you can step into the energy that will restore you to the presence of love. And in essence, that's the whole bottom line of all healing. No pill has ever restored anybody to the presence of love. Now, I've had people say, oh, you've never tried ecstasy, Michael. Well, that's true. But ecstasy can't restore you to the presence of love. It can chemically alter the function of your brain, So it feels like that, but that's called a fraud. That's called a pseudo-solution. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, if I'm in pain, a few shots of scotch and my my pain has gone away. That's a lie. Nobody's pain ever went away by drinking. Actually, there's a, a cute line I saw on an AA site a little while back. It said, I tried to drown my problems in alcohol. But the little buggers learn to swim. <laughs> you don't get rid of pain by anesthetizing with alcohol, drugs, or anything else. It takes a real, honest, true connection to love. What does anyone need to let go of at any given moment to be restored to that connection? Well, that's what every tool I've developed and every tool we teach is about, is to, to get back to that actual original connection to love and to remove the things that block it and having all the knowledge in the world will never take you there it is it is the 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 trick is to get to the space where you have an actual fresh alive in the middle of your trauma present connection to the active presence of love i think about the um the radio show that uh, Michael Coughlin called in and shared a little bit about what had happened with him uh, when two summers ago he arrived at Heartland and and arrived in a wheelchair. And uh, Jeannie actually was doing energy field work on him as he did a still point breathing session. And this was about, I don't know, the fifth or sixth week of the intensives at the, for the summer. And Michael came out of that still point session so fully connected to the presence of love that for three days he didn't speak. He hardly said a word. He was just in that fresh, active, connected space. A couple days later, he's jogging up and down the hill and puts his wheelchair away, puts his walker away. What happens? Why Why did someone who was in a wheelchair set his wheelchair aside after efforting in all kinds of other directions? Well, six weeks of deep work and a change takes place. I talked to uh, Jim this morning. And he shared a little bit with us yesterday, but he was, uh, you know, the uh, connection was getting a little bit weak, so I don't think he finished what he had to share with us. So maybe if uh, if you're on, Jim, maybe push one, and uh, you could finish sharing with us a little bit about what happened with your son, Jim. But it's a relationship issue that Jim had worked at, as he shared on the show, for almost two decades. Up. Great. Let's hear from the man. Jim, you're on. Well, hello there. Hey, young man. Welcome. Well, young man, that's the nicest thing anybody's called me in about a month. (laughs) Oh, good. All right. You got it. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, well, I guess the uh, the only other thing I wanted to add to yesterday is that uh, instead of heading back to Florida from Heartland, I'm going to be heading to New Jersey, and my son Jim and I are going to rent the house together. Uh, I no more could have imagined that two months ago or a month and a half ago than I could have imagined me becoming an astronaut. So uh, all things are possible, and I am, again, very, very grateful with a capital G. Uh, it's and very, very cool. And, and I owe it, obviously, I owe it to the work. Uh, there's no question about this. Well, never, actually, ever, ever. Yeah. actually, Jim, I'd offer you, you don't owe it to the work. You owe it to the fact that you did the work. Okay, fair enough. Because we can hand the work to anybody and everybody, and and you know what, in the context of the conversation of what are the factors, I don't know. You know how many worksheets did you do when the trauma went on for decades with your son, and all of a sudden, after committing to a block of deep work, and doing that on a consistent, persistent basis, the energy shift occurs, and you know, no. Maybe you could say you may have had this, you know, huge enlightening moment as you're doing the five worksheets a day or you were doing the uh, the resentment about uh, parents or you were doing, you know, any one of the other tools, the mind shifters, whatever. You maybe know exactly what it was, but but rarely can I point as I see that kind of, you know, what what people would call a miraculous or impossible result. Rarely can I point to and say, ah, there's the instant and there's the thing that happened. That's why I've spent my years of study looking at what factors put people into process and open that space. And, you know, I think you you shared with me that you did do uh, three and a half solid weeks of the whole body of homework from Laws of Living. And, you know, at what moment did the shift take place? I don't know. Do you know? Uh, well, there was one comment that he made that uh, that really, really served to wake me up, as it were. And the comment was that he said, Daddy said, all of my life I've been walking 50 feet behind you, waiting for you to turn around. And mm-hmm. it was, it was uh, for me... Um, I, I, I breathed for a little over an hour that night and then again the next morning. And so it was a combination of worksheets and, and still point breathing that that did it for me. Um, mm, sweet. And, and, and I used the word yesterday that I regretted after the fact, you know, uh, and I used the word delusional. And that's a judgmental word. But what I meant, and let me clarify that, uh, it, it was in the context of saying anybody who believes that they have a relationship that is not salvageable, that is in the dumper, uh, is delusional. And what I to clarify that, uh, it's it's a lie that we tell ourselves, and that's what I was referencing. Uh, it is a delusion uh, because we're seeing something painted on the inside of our eyelids, your eyeballs, as you put it, Michael, that uh, that's just a lie. You know, it comes from carbon-based memory, and it's the, the view we have, the opinion we have, a combination of judgments that we have that just come from our past, whether it's genetic or our own personal experience, uh, and, and we are in delusion. Uh, it's an absolute lie. Well, and I think one of the uh, the easiest ways to tell when the mind is in a delusion is is it experiencing is its perception accompanied by any form of hostility and fear. To me, that's one of the one of the nicest pieces of this whole puzzle of the work is you don't have to figure anything else out. You don't have to go anywhere. Just is what I'm experiencing at this moment accompanied by some form of hostility or fear that I'm stuck in a delusion and I need to collapse that in order to get free of it. It's just, you know, it's just a really simple piece. You don't have to figure out what he said, she said, they said, when it happened, what happened. It's just, if there's hostility or fear, I got work to do. You know, pick up one of the tools. 
get some of that software maintenance out and clean up the mine. Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm inclined to share another experience that happened subsequent to me coming home. Back and, and that is uh, I picked up the local newspaper to read about a, a food co-op that a couple of the members of our one group here in Theodosia are forming up in Gainesville. And so it was a feature article on the front of the Ozark County Times. And I, so I picked the paper up because I wanted to read that. It was a pretty lengthy article and a big picture of the building they're going to be in. But two or three pages in, I came across an article uh, with pictures of a husband and wife who shall remain nameless, but, Michael, you know them, uh, who were in jail for molesting and sodomizing a nine-year-old boy while the wife looked on. And I went into, and I know these people, uh, I was, uh, I went into a, a place of uh, extreme judgment and, and horror at the thought of it. Uh, and then after I finished the article, and, and this is a tribute to the work. After I finished the article, I said to myself, self, you need to shift your energy here. You need to see this differently. And and I, I did my best to hold the space of love for them, the two perpetrators, um, and, and recognize. And I went through a conversation with myself where I recognized the fact that they are um, – their actions are the result of a combination of their carbon-based memory, the genetics that they came into this life with, uh, stuff to heal from a past life, or the result of having been abused themselves when they were young. And uh, you know, I, I've still got work to do on it. We actually, we actually did a uh, uh, a worksheet. Tuesday night at our support group meeting, uh, Magda and and Patrick supported me through doing a worksheet on on the, on the the man, the husband, uh, and it was a good worksheet and a successful worksheet. But uh, and I, I don't know what what my goal was for for sharing this. Just that it was such an extreme example of judgment on my part, uh, but. Being involved with the support group and doing the work uh, allowed me or permitted me or suggested that I just shift my energy and, and see them from a place of love, which uh, is a challenge, and I still have work to do around that issue. Uh, but I, anyway, I just wanted to share that. It's really an extreme example of being able to shift from from hostility to love, and I'm complete. And that doesn't mean that uh, for those who are listening that we're saying that it's okay what they did or that we let them off the hook for what they did. They still need to be held accountable for that. But that's a perfect example, Jim, of you know what you were feeling and what you were going through. It wasn't going to have any kind of an impact whatsoever on – I mean, they had already been arrested and judgment was already – you know, getting passed down. So the only thing you were adding to it was more energy towards the punishment and then also um, to for yourself, your, the energy of all of that that you were taking on yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely true. Yeah, and we certainly don't condone the behavior, and, you know, justice will, will, will play out. They are still in jail. Um, and, you know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. But... But yeah, I, I thank you, Jeannie, because that uh, it's important that that be known by the listeners. Well, and and on a practical level, you know, if you go back to to Yeshua two thousand years ago, few people understand what he meant when he said that it was our obligation to be the space of love. The, the Greeks interpreted it as love your neighbor. It's not what it says in Aramaic. It says, be the space. Stay connected to your human life. Keep love conscious, active, and present in you when you think of a neighbor. And in the case of this uh, event, this uh, man and his wife are neighbors. Now, I, I personally, one of my mentors was a man who, he was about the closest thing to a saint I've ever known. His name was Judge Asa D. Kelly. 
Judge Kelly was a Superior Court judge in Albany, Georgia, and you know the uh, the atrocity that you just mentioned, Jim, is something that I'm sure came before him in the courtroom probably, who knows, thousands of times over his tenure on the bench as Superior Court judge. And I'm sure he sentenced a lot of those people to prison for a long, long time. But Judge Kelly never would reach out and and punish, and this guy had been the head of prisons for the state of Georgia, would never reach out and punish a person who'd committed such an atrocity. In fact, laws of living originally was, you know, the seed for it came from Judge Kelly. What what ultimately became laws of living was a seed that came from Judge Kelly, who's like, I want something for the people I'm putting in prison to heal. And, you know, many people would sit back with uh, with a, an event like the one you just shared, Jim, and say, well, you know, lock that person up, throw away the key, make their lives as miserable as possible until the day they die. In fact, I know a psychologist who at one point shared with me that the job he had in a in a, a disciplinary prison was to sit around and think of ways to make the prisoners' lives more miserable tomorrow than they were today. And when we do that, we don't have an understanding of the energetic impact of what we're doing and that we are all connected into this energy system and those who live in hate and fear and rage and guilt cause the energetic patterns that incline people to do atrocities to do those atrocities. And so the practical application of Yeshua have have Rachma be the space of love for that neighbor means that I stand as a space of love and here's this person who's obviously, you know, sexually abused people abuse people sexually. That's just how it works. And my offering and you know, I don't know if you've ever really looked at that, Doctor Tim, but I, I after almost fifty years of working with people would would offer that probably Seventy percent of people in our culture, men and women, have been sexually abused, and so the beat goes on, and it carries on, and it carries on, and it carries on. Why does it carry on? Because people have rage and fear and hatred of those people, as they think, when in fact that behavior arouses their rage, their fear, their hatred that they project on those people and the individual who projects rage and hatred and fear on another is a contributor to the behavior that that person does energetically. When I can take responsibility, if a behavior brings up rage or hatred or fear in me, when I can take responsibility and forgive that rage and and fear and hatred in me so that the active presence of love can be in me, then I can extend an energy field of love that will bring healing to that behavior, to that dynamic on the planet and help to evaporate it. But the more that the abusers held up in the paper for ridicule and punishment and and people to rage at, the more abuse we're going to have. We need to start to understand how this energy system operates. You know, let's take that particular case you know, let's imagine there's there's somebody in Australia that, yes, back in his genetic history, there was the sodomizing of a boy. And it's long forgotten in his generations, and, and nothing would ever come of it for him. But enough hatred here in this situation toward this man and his wife sets up a field and everything works by resonance. If I say, don't think about the color of your car, brain cells for the color of your car resonate. If, if someone holds hatred, they literally set up an energy that penetrates all matter and moves through all of space. So you hold somebody up to ridicule and hatred through a newspaper and, you know, a community and that energy might be the very thing, like don't think about the color of your car, resonates the brain cells for the color of your car. What a terrible thing that this man sodomized this boy while his wife looked on becomes an energy that perhaps resonates what's in the man in Australia, thousands of miles away. 
and he has no idea why all of a sudden that energy starts to move in him and becomes so overwhelming and so overpowering him that he does that behavior. He has no idea where it came from. And the thing that stimulated on an energetic level that energy in him was everybody's hatred. Whereas if someone, as you talked about, Jim, and as the support group did, works through and is able to bring a space of love, the person who's in Australia today who's who's got a plan for for cancel the thought kidnapping a boy and sodomizing them, that person may be healed. You know, what are the factors of healing? By a little support group in Theodosia, Missouri that opens a space and exposes a particular piece of rage about sexual abuse and heals it in that space may be the resonance that opens a space for that man in Australia who's getting ready, who's got a whole plan to have that plan collapse from within him and do a different behavior. We need to understand the energetic dynamics of the mind and the and the simple fact. I, I received such a blessing, you know, decades, several decades ago, I used to keynote at a conference called Global Sciences. And one year, a gentleman named Marcel Vogel, who was a 23-year senior scientist from IBM, came to that conference and brought a camera that was called a Delaware camera with him, a camera that takes a picture of the high-energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. Who knew it? Who knew that every thought we think is setting up an energy field that has an impact and an influence in the world? Yeshua knew it, and he said, keep love present in you because that's the healing influence that will bring healing to your world. So great great example, Jim, to, to get down to a refined understanding of how this energy field called life works and the and the practical aspect of can I maintain my human life, my presence of love, in the presence of an atrocity? If I can, then I become a contributor to the healing of that atrocity. I'm empowered to bring healing to that atrocity. If I can't, then I'm a contributor to the unconscious energy of that atrocity continuing to happen. What we're here well, to support my, is every every hostility, every fear, every grief, every guilt, every rage that any of us carries to bring it forward to the active presence of love so healing occurs. And we change the dynamics that are happening in our culture. Excuse me, Jim, go ahead. And and, and that took me to another place in thinking about, you know, what's, what's uh, in the forefront of the news every single day is ISIS. And, and oh, yeah. it, it, it Hide my, my awareness that we all need to do the same thing with respect to ISIS. It's very, very easy to judge them with the atrocities that they commit on almost a daily basis. But uh, that I, I totally agree. I mean that those judgments and the angst and anger and that we hold in mind energy towards them uh, just adds to the problem rather than. And it's it's a challenge for me personally, but to hold them in the space of love and just recognize that, you know, we're 7.3 billion people. We're all identical uh, in a spiritual way, and and uh, if we want to create oneness, we have to participate in a positive way, and that's just coming from a place of love. And I'm absolutely, completely- absolutely. And and that's what's going to bring healing to that dynamic. Uh, I can't fathom the pain of someone who who from the Middle East becomes a terrorist, you know, after watching their deformed child be born because some country decided to use uh, spent uranium shells to fire into their village. And the woman who got pregnant the next week was exposed to the, the, and breathed the uranium dust that came off of those shells and the child was deformed. I can't imagine the pain that the father who fathered that child and watches a child born without limbs must go through and know that, that somebody did that purposely. I can't imagine the pain that would drive them, but I can certainly understand why one would strike back. And we've got to open the space for the insanities that's happening all around the globe and and within family systems, within communities, to be exposed to the presence of love and healed. And 
you know, that's what we're here to do. So thank you for that input. Do you have any thoughts to add to that conversation, Tim? Well, just the echoing of agreeing with what you've said so far, I really like your Empowered to Heal video where you talk about the potentials that are out there. And there's, a you know, the infinite potential in the field around us of all of these energies. And each of us gets to select what we choose to focus on, which is available in our conscious awareness, and especially if it's been denied or suppressed in us, it has even more energy than our conscious focus, and it's going to be radiating out, interacting with the potentialities around us, and collapsing into what we observe as our world. And so we're going to think, oh, I'm looking at the world and I see it's just an angry, bitter violent, dangerous world. What we don't understand when we have that view is that someone else can be standing right next to us looking at the same thing and have a filter on that says this is a place where compassion is needed. This is a place where love is flowing. This is a place where joy has the potential to spring in the next moment. And so doing my work and cleaning up those negative potentials from my heart or the unconscious is of the utmost important importance if I want to be able to see the world accurately. So, And I can I be the one then that springs the compassion and the love. Yes. That's what we're here to support. Jeannie, you had a, a great comment as soon as Jim shared that story. Do you have any more uh, thoughts to share? No, I'm complete on that. Cool. Well, Tim, you uh, you triggered a, a little story that I remember hearing about the the old tower that's sitting on the uh, the porch of the saloon in the old western town, and this guy gallops in with a horse and sees the old timer sitting there and says, "Hey, Mister," he says, "I'm I'm looking for a place to spend the night, and but I want to know what kind of town I'm staying in. So, you know, what kind of town is this?" And, the old timer kind of looks at him and takes a little bite on his his uh, pipe and says, "Well, he says, what was the last town like that you were in?" He said, "Oh, he said those people. It was it was terrible. They were just, you know, vicious and backbiting and and, and just you know really nasty." And the old timer's like, "Well, that's exactly what you're going to find in this town. You're that's it." And then a little while later, another stranger's happening through on his horse, pulls over and says to the old-timer, Hey, old-timer, what kind of a town is this? I'm looking for a place to spend the night, but I want to know where I'm staying. And the old-timer looks at him, once again takes a little bite on his pipe, says, Well, what was the last town like to try to? He said, Oh, it was wonderful. You know, people were warm, welcoming, sweet, caring. He says, That's exactly what you're going to find in this town. And then there's a really sweet story that's in the back of uh, of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And I think I can do it by heart. It's called Tell Me the Weight of a Snowflake. A hawk and a dove sat on the branch of a tree, and it began to snow. Not a raging blizzard, but like in the dream without any violence. I thought I could do it by heart, but my brain's not going there. I've I've actually got it in front of me if you want. <laughs> Have to you got it. it, sweetie? I knew you would. Thank you. You're awesome. Go for it. <laughs> Tell me, tell me the weight of a snowflake, a hawk. Oh, I got it. Go. Tell me the weight of a snowflake, a hawk, ask a wild dove. Nothing more than nothing was the answer. In that case, I must tell you this marvelous story, said the hawk. I sat on the branch of a fir, close to its trunk, and it began to snow. Not heavily, not a raging blizzard, no, just like in a dream without any violence. 
Since I had nothing better to do, I counted the snowflakes settling on the twigs and the needles of my branch. Their number was exactly 3,741,952 when the next snowflake dropped onto the branch. And nothing more than nothing, as you say, the branch broke off. Having said that, the hawk flew away. The dove, since Noah's time and authority on peace, thought about the story for a while and finally said with resolve, perhaps only one person's voice is lacking for peace to come in the world. Will you be that voice? Thanks for choosing in that situation, Jim, to be that voice for peace. That's what we need more of. And so our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you're on the, uh, the, uh, in the chat room or you're on one of those stations we can't see and you'd like to talk with us, if you dial that number and push one, that'll put a hand up in the phone queue and you'll be talking with us. Jeannie, do we have anything happening in the chat room to be aware of or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue? Well, Eric and I were just chatting back and forth. Both of us were kind of in a, uh off offbeat state yesterday in a healing crisis or whatever you want to call it. And so I had asked her if she was doing better, and she had asked me if I was doing better. And we both agreed that we were better than we were yesterday, but we were still a little bit off. And, and she made the statement. She says, we are doing good work. We are willing. And I said, yes, we are. And that's what it takes. Yeah, that cosmic so, grease is pretty awesome when we've got willingness for sure. So if someone presses one, you're first in line without waiting. And we've actually got about two minutes, so time flies when you're having fun. It's been a whole hour almost, so we have got time for a quick comment or a quick question if anybody's got one out there. Otherwise, if you're ready to take your work to the next level, I'll invite you to go to www.whyagain.org. Click on the bullseye, whole series of links. It'll walk you right through the whole forgiveness process. There are at least 16 hours of uh, radio show downloads where we walk people through the whole forgiveness process. So you've got a full set of custom instructions. There's also a catalog. If you'd like to pay for support, you're welcome to order uh, the DVDs, the book on CD. Uh, The tools are there, Uh, 15 different uh, DVDs, two hours long at uh, We'll give you each of the tools that we're working with. You're welcome to to uh, pay for support if you'd like it. That would certainly help us to take this work around the globe. And you're welcome to take advantage of the free support that's there. Go to the social media links. The bottom one is the YouTube link. And I don't know, I think we've got 40 or 50, and we're getting ready. We're working right now on editing out uh, some of the pieces of the new videos that we're going to post. So there'll be a... a a good number of new video pieces out of the the latest 10 hours of video that we've done. So keep an eye for that. And uh, so if you want to join us in floor in Miami on Sunday, we'll be at unity of um, unity on the Bay in North Miami. And then Monday through Saturday, we'll be at uh, the Ayurvedic center in, uh, in Hollywood. If you uh, want to flyer for that, If you'd like to carry your work to the next level, February 1st, we'll start a a nine-day codependence to interdependence intensive and then go on into a 16-day codependence. It'll stretch out, and then we'll be doing a a 16-day laws of living. And, of course, at Heartland this summer, we've got a whole summer of programs set up from the uh, Food Fund Forgiveness and Work Economy program right through a whole series of intensives. So take a look at what's there. It's a great menu. Join us. Create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's a great gift to give the world. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www. 
W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot com. <laughs>